What a great time of worship we already had today as we, uh, before the message, man, at that song, Our Father's House, I really felt God moving in this place and, and I just hope that God continues to work in your spirit to lay those burdens down and to, to leave the shame at the door. That doesn't mean it's not welcome in the sense of you can't bring it before God, it's that it needs to be brought before him and God will lift those things from you. And so we hope you feel and experience God's presence and peace. Today I'm gonna to talk about uh, a message that I believe would radically transform this church and this community and so many people's lives if we all just did one thing. If we all did this one thing, which I'm gonna be asking at the end, if we all did this, and we did this all the time, it would radically transform Meadow Park, the community, the lives around here, we would have more fun as a church than we could ever imagine if we all just did one thing. And as a pastor, I preach messages and I preach sermons, and the hope and all of them at the end is always to give a practical application, to always say, what do we do with this? What do we do? We don't want to just be hearers of God's word, we want to be what? Doers of God's word. So that means putting into practice, right? We don't ever want to just be intellectuals about our faith. We want to be active. We want to live love. We want to live that out. And so that challenge today is going to be so significant that I would pray that in my 25 years of ministry, just about 25 years of pastoring coming up this year, that, that, that this would just permeate a congregation that I'm serving in churches all around the country because it's unbelievable what God would do in the lives of each of us in the church and in the community. Are you ready for this message? Yeah. All right, let's get into it. We're in a series called It's Spiritual. It's spiritual, how we handle our money, how we handle our finances, how we handle our things is so important. It's at the heart of, 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 of our faith. It's a, it's, it's a part of everything that we do. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. He's saying your heart follows your treasure. So wherever your treasure goes, your heart follows along. And so you invest in certain things, that's where your heart goes. And Jesus is saying, here's the beautiful thing is, I'm not after your treasure, what I'm after is your heart. And the way I get to your heart is by understanding that your treasures are often in the way, but they have the power to lead us where we need to go. And as I've said before, I believe this one area of how we handle our finances as followers of Christ is one of the biggest roadblocks and ceilings to some of our spiritual growth. But here's also the good news. It's also one of the fastest ways we can accelerate our spiritual growth. Now let me be clear, money and, and talk of this is, is not this narrow lane that this is what it's all about in the kingdom of God. Absolutely not. Kingdom of God is so much bigger and what we do as followers of Christ, but what we're focusing in on is on this area that is often one of the most challenging ones for us to grow in. And so we've been looking at this idea of money leading our heart and the ability for us to, to, to grow closer to God and it really is being spiritual. Last week we talked about faithfulness and how God owns everything and we are the managers and how that really flips around our understanding of how we use our resources. And, and we said it's not about the starting amount that counts, right? It's, it's what we do with it that counts. It's not about what we're given, what we start with, it's how do we invest it, how do we leverage that for the kingdom? And then we talked about, I introduced, I wanna review real quickly this generosity ladder, because we talked about growing in generosity. How do we take these steps of, of faith that move us in, in, in a place where money is leading our heart? And so one of the ways we talked about is you start giving on the, at the beginning part. If you're not investing in the kingdom of God, start, start somewhere, give something, just begin. Then you move from that into, into consistent giving where you just kinda go, okay, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna just give. Now and again, I'm gonna give, I'm just gonna make that uh, more of a part of my life. When, if you're doing that, you move to intentional giving. This is where you're, you're looking at giving uh, as, as a way in which you look at your budget and your finances and you're saying, I'm gonna give an intentional percentage of my income growing towards a tithe and I'm gonna just work on that discipline and I'm gonna try to grow in that time and again. 
And then the next level is, is tithe giving. This is the biblical 10% tithe that we set aside and we give to the Lord and, and, and we, we honor him in that way, the first 10. But then we go beyond that. We go to abundant giving, extravagant giving, where we really reorganize our lives in different ways to say, how can I continue to give more and allow God to bless me in ways that, that just allow me to be more and more generous? And so we look at this giving ladder and we encourage everyone, as I do with my family every year or whenever that is, to look at our, our finances and go, what can I do to take another step in growing my heart and generosity in that way? And we continue to grow in that way. But one of the biggest challenges in this, and this is where we all come in and, and can hit a hurdle, is do I trust God? Do I trust God to take another step of generosity? And so today in part three, we're gonna talk about trust. We're gonna talk about the heart of this matter, trust. Is, is each of these, these rungs on the ladder, each of these steps that we take is, do I really trust God? Do I trust God to fill in the gap between what I have and what I need and, and what I think he's able to do? And so that's why it's ultimately a very spiritual issue. Money and finances have a lot to do with trust. If currency has no value, if currency is, is, is not backed by anything, if there's hyperinflation, like by my family that still lives in Lebanon in the Middle East right now, the, the, the Lebanese pound is worth nothing. To buy milk, you have to have a stack and a wad of, of, of Lebanese pounds and they have to run it through a, 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 like a bank counter. It's, it's devalued. Trust is, is behind that. What do we trust in? We trust that when we pay something that the money, uh, we receive a good, we receive a product, that it has some value. But I love that, that in this country, if you look at any bill and any coin, you all know, what does it say? In God, we trust. Why would we put that on our money? We don't think about it. We forget about it. We try, instead, many of us, we trust in money. We trust in these things. We trust in what it can do. And, and yet, right there in front of us all the time, no matter what we're looking at, in God we trust. Is our trust truly in God? I love what it says in 2 Timothy 6, verse 17. The, Paul, who's a, who's a veteran and leading the church and pastor and leader and planter, he writes to his young uh, protege, Timothy, and he's saying in the church, he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Now, you may be saying, well, it's good. It's taking, this, this is talking to those that are rich in this world. We're, we're all, we all get a pass, right? Because we know rich people, right? Bezos and all these guys that go into space, that's who this is for. No, 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 no. He's writing to us. The fact that you're sitting here most likely means you have some level of rich, some level of wealth, especially if you consider it globally. Locally here and just in our zip code of the church, the average annual income for an individual is 43,000, something 45, somewhere in that range. If you look at household incomes of all the communities around us, from Upper Arlington, Hilliard, Dublin, Worthington, Powell, average household incomes run between 100 and $157,000. That's average. So, you know, some have more, some have less. That's what an average does. But, but if, if we think this doesn't apply to us, we're mistaken, right? So teach them not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust, our trust, should be where? In God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Yeah, the Bible actually says that. God gives us money for our enjoyment. This isn't some kind of sermon of just have to be paupers and live like you're just on scraps. No, God gives us for enjoyment. The nice thing is God gives us everything we need for our enjoyment, to bless, to give, to do. God provides for us. But today we're gonna talk about the thing that trips up followers of Christ and the church over and over and over and over again. We're gonna talk about tithing. Tithing. We're gonna talk about tithing. 
I have no problem talking about tithing. I think tithing is, again, is such an opportunity for us to grow spiritually. It's a win, win, win. We win. The church wins. The ministries win. The people we're reaching wins. And so if we can break through on this, some amazing things can happen. But what is the tithe? Let's just be clear. What is the tithe? And put it this way. The biblical practice of giving the first 10% of our income back to God through the local church. Now, there's a thing in the church, oh, I've heard all the years, people saying, I tithe. Tithing is not the church word that substitutes giving. I threw a couple bucks in the plate, I tithe. No, tithing, you, you're a tither if you tithe at least 10% of your income or more. Other, if you don't do that, you're not a tither, you're a giver. Givers is a great thing. It's a great thing to be a giver. But just to be clear, the tithe is the first 10% given to God. Now, there's strong reactions to tithing, and, and, um, and, and you know, some instantly like, oh, I hear about tithing and giving. This is why I don't come to church. This is why, you know, all you want is our money, and you talk about money. And, uh, and, and what I've found over the years, most people that say that don't tithe. Because they want to hear about it. Now, I've got people that after services like this say, Pastor, you should preach more about tithing. You should, that's wonderful, high fives, and they're usually the ones that give because they understand the joy and the blessing and the benefit and what that means. But, the, but here's the thing. Do you know what statistics show about Christians? Now, Christians, right? Christians, we, we, we think about the basics. We, uh, we, you, know, you go to church. After you give your life to Christ, you, you know, you're, you're a follower. You, you pray. You read your Bible. You serve. You love others, right? And you give and you tithe. That's what you do. But you know what statistics show about tithing for believers? 75 to 90% of Christians don't tithe. 75 to 90% of Christians don't tithe. Now, I didn't really want to share that statistic on a Sunday morning because many of you just kind of went, you felt better. <laughs> I'm not the only one. If statistics hold true, 75 to 90% of us aren't, aren't following this practice of tithing and, and we kind of go, see, well, others aren't doing it either. I must not be, I'm, I'm okay. Well, what do you want to use as your reference point? But, but the reality is, this is hard. Apparently, this is a big challenge, right? To part with that much of our income, to part with at least 10% of our income is a, is a tough thing. And so you, you look at that and you go, what, what makes this so difficult? Well, even 500 years ago, Martin Luther, the Reformation in the church in Germany, nailed the thesis on the church wall, right? That Martin Luther, he, uh, he said this, there's three conversions that are Christian experiences. Conversion of the heart, the head, and the purse. 500 years ago, why is it as believers, as followers of Jesus, who, who, who say, Jesus, I'm all in at baptism, every part of me, we struggle with this so much. We can give you our heart, we can give you our head, we believe that, 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 that a man lived on this earth and rose from the dead and, and is alive and we pour our hearts in, we believe that, we can do that, but this part about money, nope, that's where I draw the line, God. This part, no, 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 I'll take care of that. Why do we struggle? Over the years, I've heard so many uh, you know, reasons, justifications, excuses, whatever that, 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 that come for this, and I'm just gonna cover a couple of them here just to see. Maybe, maybe you resonate with some of these. I just can't afford to tithe. I'm afraid what would happen. Probably number one. Right? We look at our finances, and most people are living paycheck to paycheck or in debt. There's more month than money, and you kind of go, I can't imagine taking another percentage out of that and, 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 and uh, giving that towards God. Well, this is at the heart of the trust issue, isn't it? It's really hard to, to wrestle through that. Another thing I hear, I could tithe, but there are other things I would rather do with the money each year, right? So if a $100,000 household income, $10,000 tithe, man, there's a lot of things you could do in, in, instead of giving to the church with $10,000 a year. 
could lease a brand new car all year. You can go on nice vacations. You can start remodeling your home. Why would I just give that to the church? Like, come on, why would I do that to God, right? There's other things I'd rather do. Now you got the spiritual ones. It's not in the New Testament. That's an Old Testament thing. We're free from the law. That's so legalistic. I don't want to be legalistic, so I don't want to be held to that standard. Well, well, we'll talk a little bit more about what the Bible says. I don't give or give much. I serve instead. I've heard that a lot. As though there's sweat equity in the kingdom of God, like there's an hourly wage attached to your value, and so thank, thankfully I serve instead. Now, again, serving is great. I don't want to minimize serving. It's very important to serve. But it would also be just this you know, odd sounding if somebody says, you know, I don't want to use my gifts and serve the God in any way, but I'll give you my money. Right? That was, you'd be like, well, there's a part that you're missing about the joy in serving and the gifts that God has given you and vice versa. Right? So that justification, I hear that a lot. Um, I give elsewhere. You know, I, I'm generous. I just give elsewhere other than to the church. School projects, you know, humane society, my kids, uh, you know, Christian school they go to, and, and I, I give in other ways. So it's not just about giving to the local church. It's about giving in other ways. Church doesn't need my money. Other people already support it. So that's the thing. If you're new to the church and you come here, the Meadow Park has existed for 50 years. Why would we need any money, right? It's, already, it's obviously paid for somehow. Somebody's doing it. What's well, the people of God? And sometimes I hear people wonder, like, I'm sure you get money from the denomination, right? You get money. From, you know, we support the denomination. <laughs> we, and we're not technically part of a denomination, but the movement of churches we're a part of, right? We support that. But, the, but it comes always from the people that have made the church home. It's been the family budget. That's how it works. Another one, I, uh, um, I don't trust preachers or the church with my money. We've seen scandals. We've seen mismanagement. We've seen embezzlement. We've all heard the news headlines. But folks, let me tell you, it happens in all places. I'm not justifying it, but we've trusted Goldman Sachs and banks and whatnot. And yes, there, is, there are challenges in that. And so it's important that we have good accountability, that you trust the people that are on your board and, and that the books are open. You can come at any time and go to Roger, our executive pastor, and say, hey, I want to sit down. I got some questions about finances. Can you show me some things? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can take a look at that, and we'll talk about that. Inter, in, internal and external reviews of the books, very important. I like this one here. I only give to specific causes or projects at church. Designated giving. We all love designated. Designated giving's fun because you get to go, I want to deal with this thing and, and take care of it. And that's a good thing. It's a, it's a great thing to, to want to like, oh, I'll pay for VBS or I want to cover this outreach or I want to buy this new project that we need to do. And that, that helps. That's important. But in all my years of ministry, I've never heard somebody come up to me and say, Pastor, I'd like to cover the church's toilet paper expenses for the next year. I'm, I'm gonna take, I'm take, take, take care of those. You know that snowplow bill that costs like, I don't know, seven to $10,000 a year? I'll cover that. Put me down for lights. Put me down for the ink cartridge and toner. I'll do that. You know the cleaning solution for the carpet cleaner? Which needs a better, stronger cleaning solution. Um, but, but those things aren't fun. But So designated giving, it, that would go in the category of offerings, tithes and offerings that are beyond that, where you say, I'm already tithing, but I, in addition to that, I'd like to do some of these things because we have a family budget that we commit to and take care of, and we do that together. Sometimes spouses and, uh, can't agree on tithing, and understandably, if one's not a believer and one has different views, and that's something you have to, to work out. Or I also like this one, I'll give when, dot, dot, dot. I just gotta finish paying off my student loan. 
I just have to get through this next level. I just gotta get my kids through school, just through college. Once I get the next promotion at my, my job, when, when I'm retired, I'll give when, right? We always, at some point, I will do that. So again, I think these are all things that, that sometimes I've wrestled with, that I've heard, and, and we have to talk through these because I think, again, at the heart of all this is, do I trust God? Do I take him at his word and what he says? And so let's, uh, let's jump into a little bit more of the, some of these pieces here. What, again, what is the tithe, biblically speaking? I already said the definition, but where does it come from? Leviticus 27.30, one example. A tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain or fruit, is the Lord's and is holy. So that word there, the tenth, is really the tithe. That's the original word. The tithe is a tenth. And of the first fruit, so the first parts of the harvest of the fields. Now, how many of you guys have been harvesting? How many, any of you have tomato plants at home? The first, the first 10% of your tomatoes you should bring to church, <laughs> right? Well, we're not living off of an agricultural society in this setting in the city, but it's our income. It's what we have. It's, what, it's how we um, produce and provide. And he said that first part, even back, way back then, said it's, it's for whom? Is the, whose is it? Is the Lord's. And what does he say? And is holy, what is holy? Holy means to be set apart. So the first tenth is to be set apart. It's holy to the Lord. And we kind of go, no, it's holy to me, right? It's holy to my, what I want to do, God. It's, it's, holy, it's holy set apart to the Lord. And so this, for hundreds and thousands of years, has been the practice of our faith as an act of worship, to set it apart. It's as holy unto God. Now, the, as mentioned earlier, one of the things we hear a lot is, um, well, that's, that's Old Testament. We're under the New Testament. We're not under the law. We're under grace, and, and, and that's so legalistic, and just, you know, the 10%, like, come on, there's freedom there, and absolutely, a lot of those things, that's all true. But you know, Jesus talk, did talk about tithing. Jesus talked about tithing. He mentions it here in Matthew 23, 23. He says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees who were just, who were like, have, they'd even have like little spices and, and herbs, and they'd be like, okay, that was growing, I'm gonna take 10%, I'm gonna do that. They were so, so legalistic in that way, and Jesus was sort of saying like, man, you're, just, just tithe, just do that. That's like the basic thing, just yes, do that. But it's not all about tithing. There's more important things. That's why we don't talk about this every single week and teach about it and preach about it. It's a part of our lives, but there's more important things. That's why we talk about love and faith and mercy and grace and gifts and all the different things. But this is absolutely a part of it. And Jesus upholds that even in, in that statement. And it's been the practice throughout the church, through generations and here at Meadow Park to be supporting of the kingdom of God. So why do we tithe today? Why do we tithe today? And I'm just gonna talk about two, two aspects of this in God's kingdom economy. The first is this, to support the ministry and mission of Jesus through the local church. This has been a part of God's design in the economy. This is how um, we support what happens. The, the tithes were brought from the fields and they were brought to the temple. They were brought to the tabernacle. They were brought to the storehouse. They were offered as, as worship, as sacrifice. They were there to provide for the priests and Levites, the temple workers, those that didn't own lands or fields because they dedicated their life to the kingdom, to serving in that way. And the people provided together for the communal worship, to care for widows and orphans, the needs that were around for the teaching. That was all a part of the tithe. And so we look at that and we look at today and we think, all right, well, where does that go? We're gonna have our information meeting and you'll hear a little more how that's broken up today. 
But yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, there's just the stuff that's just not very exciting. It's, 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 a, it's a building, it's a facility, it's an organization that has, has, has overhead and administrative things and contracts and, and leases and, and all that stuff that happens. But we also do ministry. And we look and we minister to children and we, we minister to, to youth and to seniors and to worship and to outreach in the community, locally, globally. So many different ways. And yes, a big part of our budget is our staff. That's the biggest part of our budget is, is the pastors, the directors, the coordinators, the assistants, the ministry assistants, all those pieces come together. What? Pastors get paid? What do you do all week? You're up there for like an hour, man. What a cush job, right? Um, but even back in the day, when Paul was writing to Timothy in this early church, he was saying, look, even in your church, those that are geared towards this, this is what he says in 1 Timothy 5, 17. Elders who do their work well, the elders, pastors, leaders, should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and in teaching. So that's a part of the, the, the way that I am so grateful and thankful that you allow me to put my full-time attention into leading Meadow Park. Every day I get to get up and think about Meadow Park and what we're doing here and the best of our hours and me and our staff and our team, we get to do that only because of your generosity, and that's how the economy works in God's kingdom. Some lead, others come alongside, and so that's a part of how that works, to support the ministry within the walls of the church, outside the walls in the church, in a greater cause. It's us together, working together in that way, and here's the thing, we never charge, right? There's never an admission fee, there's never a bill that you get sent. It's always provided free of charge, and only by the generosity and the blessing of those who've been transformed, and God's economy allows us to do that. So not only do we do this to support the ministry and the mission of the local church, but this is the part that's so personal to us. It's this, it's personal spiritual transformation. To receive and to reflect the heart of God. See, it's not just a, like an economy thing, like hey, we just you know, give that money, like the government takes taxes, the church takes its share and does the ministries. Yes, that happens and great things happen. But God is telling us it's for our own transformation and it's for the way that we reflect God's goodness back into the world. And, and what is God's heart? What is it that we're reflecting? The most well-known verse in all of scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved that he gave. <laughs> loving and giving, giving and loving, that's a part of who we are and we wanna reflect that generosity is a mark of spirituality. It's a mark of growing in faith and, and reflecting that heart to the people around us and the things that matter in this world and God's heart is generous. So the spiritual transformation and we put it in this category of you know, changing my thought, my thinking, and my actions. Well, ultimately, it comes down to, in this regard, how do we handle and actually do what we need to do with our money? What is God saying? He was very specifically here. So again, it comes back to the tithe. The tithe was this practice. The tithe is this practice. Again, your first 10% given joyfully as an act of weekly worship. Several things in that. The first 10%. Right, given weekly as an act of, of worship. So the first thing I wanna talk about is giving first, the importance of giving first. Why do we give first? Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now if it would just stop there, it'd be like, oh, duty, obligation, this is my tax, this is what I gotta give, this is my dues. If it just stopped there, that's what it would feel like. But, what does it say? Then your garages will be filled to overflowing and your wine cellars will build, brim over with new wine. <laughs> Man, yeah, some of you, we have full garages, we got four full storehouses and, and, and there's this promise, this blessing, there's, there's more, 
There's more, take the step. God's not saying give to me so you'll have less, it's give to me so you'll have more in different ways that blessings are going to be there. And so we give first, again, give the first fruits. As you think about, about giving, how do you know if you're, let's say you have $1,000, you have 10 $100 bills, how do you know which is the first $100 bill to give? It's the first one that leaves your hand. It's the first one that leaves your hand. It's the first one. It's the first thing you do when you receive the money. It's I give. That's the, one, that's the one thing I'm looking at. It's not the amount. It's the order that releases the blessing. It's not just the amount. It's the order. And I think part of God's design by giving the first is an act of worship. It's the first day of the week that we give in worship. It's the first part of our day when we come before him. It's the first of our, it, whatever we put first demonstrates that act of worship and priority and importance. We just had Halloween, and I just wanna ask you, if you have a, if you have a, you know, a kid or a grandkid or a nephew or a niece, or, um, is it easier to get them to give you a piece of candy on Halloween night from their spoils? Or is it easier to get it when it's their last one a week from now? <laughs> Which one's easier? <laughs> the first one, right? That's amazing. We can be more generous. And the ability to give first, what the beauty of that is with God's kingdom is everyone has the ability to give and be generous if you do it first. If you wait to do it last, there may not be enough left. There may not be enough left over. And so it's the priority of giving first. There's a story of a, of a boy who was walking to, to, to church. He was going to church with his dad. His dad gave him two quarters. He said, son, here's one for you, and here's one for God to put in the offering. The son's like, great. And so he's walking to church. He's, he's playing with the quarters. He flips them up, goes up in the air. One falls down, and it goes into a drain, sewer drain. And he looks, and he looks. He just can't get it. And he looks at the coin, looks at his hand, looks at God, looks at his coin, looks at the ground. He goes, sorry, I lost your quarter, God. <laughs> Stuck the other one in his pocket. <laughs> It's amazing how many times we lose God's quarter, right? It's amazing how many times it's like, that's the, where's the priority? Where is, what do we do? We give first. It's the first thing that we do, but it's not just about the order, it's also about the attitude. We give first and we give joyfully. To give joyfully. God loves a cheerful giver. This is what makes it an act of worship. It's not begrudgingly, it's what do I get to do? I've got a friend who posts every time it's payday, he puts, he puts it's giving day. It's giving day, and he said, I give to the church, and I give to these things. It's like, I get new money coming in on payday. It's giving day. What a difference of, of perspective, isn't it? To think about that joyful ability to go, I get to do more. God, and you've provided for me another, another round. Who gets some money this time? Who do I get to bless? How can I give and go to give to the church in that way? That's an awesome way to do that. Yeah, we don't just wanna talk about this and have an intellectual exercise. Ultimately, it literally comes down to action, to doing. And so I, I don't want us to be a church of, of and, and that's you know, 10 to 25% experience the joy and the blessing of what it means to tithe. I want us to, just one time at least, just one time at least, 100% of us saying, I'm gonna trust God in this. It's the big give challenge, the 110-1 big give challenge. I wanna put it into action. What would it look like if 100% of us who call Meadow Park Church home here, online, wherever we are, to say, I'm gonna give a 10% tithe of one paycheck. I'm gonna do it. We're gonna do this in the month of November. By November 21st, we have the Big Give Challenge, and I wanna see what is possible. What is possible for our church? What is possible in your life? And, and I know for some, that's gonna represent the biggest check you maybe have ever written. 
for the church. The biggest um, gift that maybe you've done or maybe you kind of go, oh man, I can't imagine doing this every paycheck, but do it once. As a challenge to say, let's see God, can I, can I do this? And you'll see what happens in that investment when you do that. And, and, and for, those, um, for those of us that, that tithe, that are already doing that practice, I'm gonna challenge you to take another step on the generosity ladder and go, how can I go above and beyond that? My family and I are gonna do a double tithe that week. We're gonna say, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna take another step because it's about trusting God. It's about moving forward. And I just believe God's gonna stir some things. He's gonna loosen some things in us, in us, up in us as we take these steps. And don't just talk about it, but go, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna try it. You know, in Malachi chapter... Um, in Malachi chapter eight, uh, chapter three, verses eight and ten, uh, it's just, there's this scripture that where God is talking to His people, and He says, "Should people cheat God?" God is saying to His people, "Yet you have cheated me." And they're aghast. You know, but but you ask, "What do you mean?" They ask, "When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me." Whoa, you've been taking what's set apart. God's saying, "Hey, you're cheating me." Now, again, this would feel really strong-armed and this would feel really like dutiful and legalistic and harsh if it ended there. But again, God doesn't end it there. Just like in the previous verse, he goes on, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And he says, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. He's just saying like, oh, if you only knew... Asking for that, and I've got a storehouse of blessing. Now, is that a is that a dollar for dollar blessing? No, you give one dollar, you're going to get a hundred back. You know, and sneeze on this blanket and we'll napkin and we'll pray for it, and you'll get more. No, 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 no. God's blessing might be in the way that He honors your you and your kids with your marriage, an opportunity that opens up. Maybe just a gratitude in your heart. Maybe a lessening of a desire for things in a way that you just realize the contentment that you feel. I, I don't know how God brings that blessing, but he's saying, look, there are storehouses available to you. And it's the only time in scripture we see God saying, put me to the test. Check me on this. And I know that feels weird to say and we don't wanna do that, but that's part of, as we look at this big give, just to say, can we do this? Can we try this? Because I believe it's not that God wants something from you. God wants something for you. He wants something for you. That's why it's spiritual. That's why I love to talk about this because I see the wind all around in this. You may be struggling. You may be challenged in this. And I want you to take a look at this video and to hear the story of a couple in our church and how they've uh, worked through this in their life. I'm Rick Knox. This is Jen Knox. <laughs> We've been coming to Meadow Park um, as our church home since uh, the fall of 2013. And so we thought we'd come check out Meadow Park and came for a few Sundays and it, and it clicked for us, so this became our new church home. We both grew up uh, in families where money was never talked about. It wasn't taught, so to speak. So when we got credit cards, yay, we have money. Um, so we buried ourselves in credit card debt and lived paycheck to paycheck and we bought a house and we had cars and we just thought that's what everybody did. and caught up with us quick, really quick. And so we knew we had to do something. It was bad. Um, so we filed for bankruptcy and we knew we could not go back to that. We had to learn how to handle money all over. Well, not even all over again, learn how to handle money, period. Um, and so we were just kind of muddling through and 
shortly after we did that, within the few a few months, we were here, and um, Financial Peace University was being offered as a class, and we were like, we need that. We need something that's not a family member or a friend trying to tell us how to manage our money. We need, we need professional advice <laughs> um, that's definitely Christian-based, you know, rooted in that form. Um, because we've always heard of tithing and offering, and we're like, how is that possible? How on earth can you possibly give 10% of your paycheck and yet pay everybody else? It just blew our minds. And so doing Financial Peace University, we learned you can do it and it is possible. But it helped us really break things down and look at how we were spending. And then we realized, all right, we're making this a priority to give to the church. We have to make this a priority. Immediately, we saw all these extra God things happening that we were both just like, okay, this is this 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 is kind of crazy. This is this is really cool. Like we just felt, I don't know, we felt more connected to people because, like I said, because we were giving more of our our money, we we're giving more of ourselves here. It was. It just felt right, and it just we were we were giving our, more of our money, but we felt like we were getting back more than we were giving. It was just it felt so spiritually rewarding, um, and we didn't we didn't miss the money. That's the weirdest part. Like you, we didn't miss it. And there have been times where we've written a check to the church, and it hurts. It's like, okay, well. I, I mean, I'm really gonna have to trust God right now because it's, you know, this month is a little thinner than usual, but I, we made this commitment and this is what we're gonna do. Um, and like Jen said, it's, you know, every time it works out just fine. There's enough money, God provides, and it, it's, it's amazing. If you're on the fence as far as like financially, like there's no way I can afford that even if I wanted to do it, do it and see what happens. Almost like, not to test God, but do it and see what happens. Because it's gonna, there's gonna be something that's gonna change in your life. Thank you, Rick and Jen, for just opening up a part of your life to us and sharing that journey and how God has been faithful in that time. I think it's just a beautiful opportunity for us to take those steps, and, and I know, again, it comes back to trust. It comes back to that moment, do we trust God, and that's why it's spiritual, and I just ask that you would pray and, and, and open up your finances before God, the struggles, the challenges that are there, and, and of course, even speaking of Financial Peace University, it's something that we offer periodically here at the church, and that might be a place for you to jump in and to say, I wanna really look at the entirety of how I manage my resources but in the, end, in the end, the beauty of all this is God is saying, look, just trust me in this. I wanna provide for you, I wanna bless you. And when that takes root in our heart, it transforms us as individuals, hearts of generosity, as a community, to be a church that is generous in all that we do, reflecting the heart of our Heavenly Father. Today we're gonna take some time with, for communion, and so I think it's just an important way for us to acknowledge Christ's generosity to us to acknowledge his sacrifice for us, his love for us, his goodness to us. There's a scripture in 1 Peter 1, 
verse 18 and 19. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So we think about that sacrifice, we think about God's generosity to us, the way that he loved, the way that he did not spare his own son for us, to go to that cross, his body broken for us and his blood spilled out for us. Let's remember that today and honor and give thanks. As we take the bread, as Jesus did, he broke it and he gave thanks. He said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Let's do that together. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup represents a new covenant, a new day. My blood spilled out for you for the forgiveness of many. Let's take and drink together. Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge in this moment your generosity towards us, your love for us, your giving heart, your giving nature. Lord, help us in this area. I know many are, are, are struggling, are challenged, might be dealing with debt or high bills or making ends meet, working extra jobs. Father, we wrestle through our own wants and needs and what's priority, and, and God, it's not an easy answer, and I just pray that we would surrender this part of our lives to you and experience just the joy and the blessing of being generous people. Help us to grow. Help us to grow in our trust from you. And Father, again, just thank you for modeling your great love for us that paid for our sins, that, that gave us a fresh beginning, that wiped the debt clean and let us live new and full lives for you. We are so grateful. We give you thanks in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.